0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 11th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein, at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, S.O.S.,
1: First adopted by the government of Germany in 1905, three dits, three da's, and three dits sounded in a continuous stream, officially became the international Morse code distress signal on July 1st, 1908. Designated SOS, these three letters are commonly mistaken To be an abbreviation for save our souls or save our ship or send out succor, send help. But in the vernacular of proper Morse code, three dots, three dashes, and three more dots sounded with no pause between them does not spell anything at all. If I understand correctly, three dits is the code for the letter S. And three da's is the signal for the letter O. But letters must be separated by a brief pause in order to be discerned as letters. So S-O-S stands for nothing. And the sound of those nine taps doesn't really even mean S-O-S. But let's not get lost in the high weeds of Morse code grammar Everybody knows, dit, 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 da, 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 dit, dit, dit. And everyone knows that if you're in trouble, you send out an SOS and you really hope somebody comes to save your soul. Have you ever been lost? I mean, really lost? I'd love to hear your story if you have. I don't ever want to be My few glimpses of that heartbreaking pit in the bottom of your stomach feeling are terrifying enough. Just recently, I don't know why I thought of it, but I recalled for Amy a childhood experience. Occasionally, just out of the blue, something transports me back to that moment, probably 45 years ago, and in an instant, that faint memory or some faint memory of that startling realization still makes my heart pound. It's amazing the power of memory and the depth of the experience of being all alone. I was not lost. I wasn't even by myself I probably wasn't out of my parents' sight for more than 45 seconds, but I can still see the spot on the trail at Natural Bridge State Park in Virginia, where I almost panicked. As we returned from our sightseeing adventure, headed back up what seemed a very, very long asphalt sidewalk. It was probably 100 yards, you know how that is when you're a child. We detoured into a cave that had been naturally gouged into the side of the mountain, And I was fascinated with my exploring and had obviously lost the sound of my parents' voices amid the conversation of the many other travelers who crowded into that natural hollow. When I finally looked up and around, they were gone. They were not in the cave, and that momentary start gave way to a full-bore panic when I ran outside and also realized they were not even visible on that long sidewalk headed back to the car. I'm sure my tears and maybe a full-throated cry, which would have been the best SOS I could have sent, I'm sure they would have erupted in a matter of seconds, but then I heard my father's voice up the sidewalk, Russ, and I saw him wave. Wow, they were just out of sight around the corner of the trail. I don't know if I have ever been more glad to see anyone to know that I was not lost, that I had not been left alone. Early this afternoon, we will bury our dear beloved friend Carol Pelt. Her death as unjust as it was untimely, Having spent many hours at the hospital over the last two weeks gives us the perspective and the prerogative to speak a word of pastoral instruction and just a personal request. From me to you, Amy shares this, from me and Amy to you, do not let your family members die alone, please, As we walk the halls of hospitals and hospice units, far too many people are there, lost, can I say, alone. Medical specialists say that you don't know, we cannot know what even unconscious patients can hear and even more deeply what they can sense about your presence in the room. Be there, please, for them Be there, please, for you to stand with a family, keeping watch in those final, sometimes desperately difficult hours is a high privilege and a holy calling. Do not miss those holy moments, please. After being with the Pelt family this week, Amy promised me that if I die first, she will be there to the end. And she made me sign a contract that I would do the same for her. I just made her promise that I get to go first. There is nothing worse than being left alone. Now, we can choose moments to be alone. We ought to. That's well and good. But to be left alone, alone. To know the disappointment, the anxiety, the fear of true existential loneliness is a grim reality indeed. It is this reality expressed in its ultimate form with which deeply philosophical atheism wrestles. And the critique of those evangelical atheists, I call them, those whose angry rants are lining the shelves of bookstores today, the critique of them is that their so-called atheism represents little more than childish diatribes against organized religion and shallow-minded name-calling against us who are silly and superstitious religious people. Many philosophers argue that today's atheists have not begun to approach the abyss of nothingness, nihilism, total annihilation, the fundamental existential aloneness that radical atheism dares to face. The good news of the Christian gospel is that we do not have to face that. We are not alone. Not today, not tomorrow, not forever. Of course, this is a claim of faith, just as the atheist claim is a claim of faith. But it is a claim testified by ancient scripture and voiced in the nearly universal experience of the world's peoples. I once was lost, but now am found. There is a presence, a power that can feel deeply personal at times. The claim of the world's peoples, educated and unenlightened, sophisticated and simple, mature and naive, is that we can feel that power, know that presence. We can experience God. The surprising thing about the experience, which is highlighted in the Christian confession of a crucified Lord, is that the place to know God, maybe the only place to truly know is in our moments of loneliness. I once was lost. How else might we know what it is to be found? The Christian way does not call us to go seeking lostness so we may know foundness. If that were the case, every weekend bender and every marital infidelity could be called a spiritual retreat. Lives wasted in reckless living and thoughtless selfishness could be esteemed as faithfulness. On the contrary, God is a worthy pursuit for healthy lives. And the way of Jesus is its own fulfillment. But the good news of the Christian gospel, which is a deeply paradoxical affirmation, is that each one of us is, as Martin Luther once claimed, simultaneously saint and sinner. A little bit lost and a little bit found all the same time. Even if we claim the theological high ground of original blessing and not original sin... Even if we affirm the infinite worth of individuals inherently, even with a stake firmly planted in the soil of human dignity and the optimism of human potential, the honesty of humility, which is our essence. Humility. Humus. Human beings. It means we come from the earth. That Humility and honesty will dare us to say, each one of us, from highest to lowest, whatever that is, the best and the brightest, we cannot do it alone. Sometimes I boil down our sometimes troublesome atonement theology, which can get too bloody and too emotional and just too much. Sometimes I boil it all down to the simple, soulful blues of Bill Withers who sings, Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need Somebody to lean on. Sometimes every one of us needs somebody to lean on. The good news is not that we are all lost, that's just the reality, folks. Every one of us, at some point in our life, needs to be found and loved and forgiven. It's what the Bible calls saved. The good news is that when we can be honest enough to recognize that we are all just castaways, and when we are honest enough to send out our SOS, we will be found. One day, years ago, Amy's sister had come to visit us in Birmingham. We were only a couple years away at that point from the death of Amy's nephew, a 17-year-old victim of a fatal car crash. Susan and Amy had spoken every single day for 18 months. Susan was there and we were leaving the garage to go somewhere and I had just pressed the button to lower that garage door and Amy did, it was sort of a comedic double take. She looked at the car, she looked back at the house and she looked back at the car and then she kind of laughed out loud and she said, oh, you know, I couldn't remember where I put the baby. Is the car seat in the car or did I leave it in the house? And Susan said in the matter-of-fact tone that becomes the prerogative of any mother who has lost a child. That's how I feel all the time. Jesus says God is like that mother whose aching heart will not stop hurting as long as we are apart. Send your SOS. You are not alone. May it be so.